once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. We've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas. We've watched a Christmas story and its wonderful life. We've read the Bible stories. We've been to the church Christmas shows. The tree is up. The lights are strung. The carols are sung. The presents are wrapped. The family's in town. Is there anything we're missing? Let's find out. It's Christmas Eve and time for a message from lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. While they're bringing all this out, I'm, uh, I'm going to start with a bit of a gloomy thought here, but it stops after the first thought, okay? So it won't continue to be, but I, I have to share with you, I was Sunday morning taking a shower, getting ready for church, and I don't know why I was thinking about people's needs and pains or struggles, I don't know, but uh, a thought came to me. And the thought was this, that unless I die unexpectedly and soon, then I'm a lot of pain away from death. And that was the thought that hit me. I'm a lot of pain away from death. Would you agree? By the way, you are too. And none of us are going to go through life, assuming we live a, a, you know, somewhat of a a decently long life, that we're not going to go through deep pain. We all are going through deep pain in some degree or the other right now, right? And how intense it gets. But I don't think that, though I realize all of us, uh, we kind of got this uh, uh, sense that we're going to maybe just drift on through and everything's going to be fine. But the reality is that we know that we're going to have some problems. And in spite of that, even though we know, when that unexpected bad news comes, we're shocked, as if this certainly would not happen to me, would it? Can you relate to that? Well, sure, we all can. Do you know what that leaves us with when we have this anticipation, this hope and expectation that, uh, you know what, things are just going to sail along and be good, and then it doesn't? It leaves us with a thing called disappointment, and that's what I want to speak on tonight, how Christmas collides with disappointment, or at least it can and it should. Let me give you a definition of disappointment to kind of kick us off here. Disappointment is the feeling which results from not experiencing what is hoped for and expected. What's hoped for and expected. Now, with that in mind, let me suggest that Let me suggest that, uh, in fact, I was trying to, okay. Uh, Let me suggest that in light of that, that the disappointments that you and I are going to all experience are going to be disappointments that typically would fall in one of a couple of categories. One would be relational. We all know what relational disappointment is. There's also circumstantial. Our circumstances, they tend to let us down as well. Let me suggest that uh, in relational disappointments. This is what I'm talking about. Uh, Girlfriend, boyfriend lets you down. Your children let you down. Uh, Your parents let you down. Somewhere there's a letdown. They don't follow through with what you expect. You expect them to be loving and supportive and so forth, and then something happens and they're not. And what are we left with? We're left with relational disappointment. Circumstantial disappointment, whether it be your job or your family, whether it be your health, uh, something happens. We uh, assume good health, and then we go to the doctor for that regular physical, 
And the response is, you got cancer. And then at that point, there is deep, deep, deep disappointment. Uh, perhaps our idea is that by this time of life, I'm going to be married, I'm going to have children, everything's going to be going good. Maybe married, but barren, or maybe not even married. What happens? There's deep, deep disappointment. Uh, I could just go on on kids. Some of you kids are going to experience deep disappointment tomorrow morning. <laughs> you are. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You're going to expect some of the coolest, neatest toys, and you're going to get clothes. <laughs> All right, whatever the case be, whatever, you know what I'm talking about now, relational and circumstantial disappointment. I want you to note this thought right here. Disappointment can destroy your Christmas, or on the other hand, a proper understanding of a Christmas can destroy your disappointment. So what happens when Christmas collides with disappointment? Well, I haven't forgotten you kids. I want you kids to hang in here through the, the brief time I'm going to be talking. And to do that, we're going to bribe you just a little bit, okay? Here's how it works, just so you understand. By the way, last night I was so encouraged. Carol and I were out to dinner, and uh, a family in the church came up and and spoke to us, and we were having a little time discussion, and one of the little kids, eight or nine years of age, one of the little kids says, by the way, I remember the three words from last year. <laughs> really. The parents said, we haven't talked, we haven't informed them or anything. This is, they, this is their thought to me. I remember the three words and gave me the three words, I think. I mean, I don't remember what they were, so. <laughs> but gave me the three words. I was pretty impressed, to say the least. I'm walking away, and I hear him say, and I know from the year before, too. <laughs> and so, so this is the best spent money that, uh, that we have right here, right? So here's how it works. I'm going to select somebody to come up here, and you get the opportunity to make some big money. Uh, any of you 6 through 12 years of age, you get to make $5. All right? You can make $5, but here's how it's going to work. You've got to remember the three words that I'm going to give. The three words you have to be able to recall. And hear this. I want you to be able to give some kind of an understanding. I'm going to ask you a question or so about the meaning of why I used that word to see if you got the big picture, okay? So when it comes to that time and I invite you up here, make sure you have some kind of understanding. So listen very, very very carefully, okay? That's how it's going to work. Now, if you get it right, if you get all three words right, and this is up to your parents, if, if they feel you've understood it, you know, clearly enough, then you can make $5 for those three words. If your parents are too tight to pay and won't do it, think it's wrong, this is immoral, or whatever they think, you quietly come to me, and I will do it, okay? I do want to know your parents' name when that happens, but... Uh, I, and, and I tell you, last year I had people come. I, my parents, okay, here's a, so I'll, I'll pay if they won't, okay? But whoever comes up here, you get $5 per word, all right? $5 per word. Uh, you can't double dip. There's no taking it from me and your parent. It's just going to come from me if you're the one that's selected to be up here. So everybody pay attention. I have no idea. I have no idea who's going to be selected. I have a, a random process to find out, so it could be any of you, 6 through 12 
years of age. Are you okay? Everybody good with that? All right. Let me give you the three words. Here's the first word. The first word is the word bigger. The second word is the word better. And the third word is the word lesser. So kids, do you think you can remember those three words? There's big bucks in this. Three words. Bigger, better, and lesser. Kids, just kids, let's say those three together just for practice, okay? All right? Without the screen. See if we can remember. First is the what? Word bigger. Number two is the word what? Better. And the third is the word what? All right. You're all in for some good money. All right. Let's get started. Let's get started. First word. The word bigger. Here's how we're going to use it. For Christians, and this is for Christians, there is always a bigger story. I need to explain what's meant by that. I'm going to call our disappointments in life, whether it be relational, whether they be circumstantial, whatever disappointments that we're facing in life, I'm going to refer those from, to those from this point on as the lesser story, okay? That's the third word we're going to use later. I'm going to be referring to the lesser story. So note what I have to say here about this. A proper understanding of Christmas reminds believers that in spite of relational and circumstantial disappointments that we call lesser stories, there is always a bigger story. Kids, to put it in very simple terms, our disappointments, the lesser stories, we're going to all have disappointments. But as Christians, we can know that there is a bigger story. There is a bigger story, and we want to understand what I'm talking about and that's what I'm going to be sharing. So to summarize it, I'll give you these two things. The lesser story, our disappointments, you got to remember that or money doesn't come, all right? The bigger story is God's best for us. We're referring to that which is the very best that could ever happen to you and me. That is the bigger story. You with me? Now, having said that, let me have you watch this too. The next point is this, or the thought is this. Relational and circumstantial disappointments cripple us when we believe that the lesser story is the only story. Now, kids, I'll tell you this. There are a lot of, of us as parents here. Probably your parents, all of us, we're struggling with this whole idea that I'm trying to teach you. I want you to get it so young in life that you're going to be ahead of the rest of us. Some of us are seeing our disappointments, our lesser stories, and, and, and that's all we can see. That's all we think about. And as a result, we get crippled in many respects. I heard someone recently say this, that as you grow older, you become more of what you already are. So if you can get this now, you're going to be so far ahead of everybody else. Life is going to make its way a lot better with you than maybe even with your parents if you can get this early, 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 okay? Now, Christmas made it possible for the bigger story to be added to the lesser story. We all have our disappointments, our lesser stories, but when Christmas comes along, and only because there's a Christmas where they're not the birth of Jesus, then we couldn't say there is also a bigger story. So Christmas becomes very, very important to us for that reason. And that bigger story is 
is planned and executed by God that is going to come to earth that is going to be referred to as one who is filled with grace and truth. We read in John 1 that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it says then that, and we beheld His glory. And then it says, full of grace, and this word, kids, truth. It's a very important word to us, truth. This one Jesus who is born is full of grace and truth. Well, to clarify it even better, you know what happens Jesus in John 14, now he's, he's been born and now we're hearing his story a little bit in John. And, and we come to the 14th chapter, verse 6, and you know what he does? He calls himself the truth. He is the truth. Well, that's critically important because only because he is the truth can we say this. Next point is because of Christmas, truth now collides with our disappointments, creating a new story which is always best for us. Here's what I'm saying, kids. And we have our, we have our lesser story, our disappointments. But when now, because of, of Christmas, we have a Savior Jesus, and now we're being given a bigger story. And if we will allow the bigger story, which is the true story, when we let it collide with disappointment, we come out okay. So, very important to know that there is a bigger story. Disappointment, to put it this way, disappointment says, I know what's best for me. Truth says, God knows what's best for you. Disappointment, it's going to say this, what I see and understand is all there is. There's nothing more than the lesser story, that's it. Truth comes along and it says, the story is bigger than you realize. The story is better than you understand. You can have no understanding of this, but I'm telling you, God uses relational and circumstantial disappointments to bring to us the very, very, very best. And I'm not going to take you through Scripture, but I'm telling you the Bible is full of teaching that supports this. Very important. So you got the first point? Remember that this, this word bigger. For the Christian, there is a bigger story. I want you all to remember that. For the Christian, there is a bigger story. Do we see it? Do we embrace it? Do we hold on to it? Don't know, but it's there. Now, at this point, I was to move to a very short and a very, a very short second and third point, which I'm going to do. But, but I have to add something here that I hadn't planned originally. I can't say the word truth right now and talk about truth without thinking of you kids of what you're facing as you walk into school, as you are with your peers. Because now there is, well, quite frankly, many of you are aware of Duck Dynasty and what has just happened with one of their key folks on there, Phil Robertson. And it's all over this issue of truth. I don't care what you want to talk about it, what the issue is, doesn't matter. It's all about truth. And here is the problem that we're facing. And you kids, I want you to lick this now. There's going to be the question that you've got to ask. This is so critically that you answer this question correctly. I want this for my grandchildren. I want this for all of you, but this is so important. What is there truth at all? Is there truth? And, and by the way, truth is referred to as that which everyone 
should believe and follow. Well, your peers, all of your friends, they're going to be growing up. Most of them are going to be saying, no, there is no truth. You can't say there's that which is truth. Uh, in other words, there's nothing that everyone should believe and everyone should follow. In fact, here's the big question. They're going to say, uh, isn't it true that if you hold to a truth claim, and I'm going to use the kids some words that are a little bit big here, your parents will understand, that that will make you um, prejudiced, uh, it'll make you intolerant, uh, it will make you arrogant, or kids, to use your words, uh, it's going to make us be people who are not fair or not good, who are not loving. All these people that hold the truth, now they're not really kind and sweet. And Kids, don't believe that when you hear it. I want you to challenge that. You see, the reality is, if there is God, then there is truth. You understand that, kids? If there's God, there's truth. Have you ever heard your parents say this? That's the absolute truth. Well, they're just being redundant. Because, I mean, they're just repeating themselves. Absolute is truth, and truth is absolute. If it's not true, it's not absolute. If it's absolute, it's true. So if we believe in God, yes, we believe there's truth. We should. We've got to. We can't believe those people who say, you know, if, if you hold a truth, you're not going to be a humble, tolerant person. That is just not true. Now, today's belief goes like this, kids. Today, kids are going to be saying, um, there's no truth that everyone should believe. Do you know what they've just done when they do that? They're saying there's something you must always believe. When I wait, they said there's nothing you should always believe. So I just want you to remember this, truth. When you hear it, I want you to say, I believe in truth. Hold on to truth. I was with somebody just this last week. I was having lunch with them a week or two ago. And I was having lunch, and we were talking about truth, because that's the key question. And this person is somebody who's investigating Christianity, and we started talking about truth. Does it exist? Is it, you know? And, and I said, you know, you can't not believe in truth. You have to believe in truth. What do you mean? I said, well, see that person over there? I pointed to somebody in the restaurant. I said, see that person? What if I said to you that, hey, I'm going to go kill that person for fun. I'm going to go kill them. And let's say I go do that. And I want to know from you right now, is that wrong or not? Sure, it's wrong. Absolutely, kid. Thank you. Absolutely, it's wrong. So here I said to him, you know what I said? I said, who says? Who says? What if I say, mm -mm, it's not wrong for me. You can't tell me that I have to do what you, no. There, if there's a God, there's truth. And kids, I want you to hang on to truth as you grow up. And anytime somebody challenges you to whether there is truth or not, you stand up and say there is and live by that. And guess what? The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they'll watch you over time and they'll say, he's got it better than I've got it. He's free, I'm not. She's free, I'm not. So hang on to the truth, okay? Let's come back to our second point now. Very brief one, but an important one. It goes like this. The bigger story is always the better story. All right? So for the Christian, there's always a bigger story. And now you need to know that the bigger story is always the better story. Always the better story. 
Now, the Christmas story illustrates this. The birth of Jesus and the whole surroundings, it illustrates it. That's why this is such a perfect Christmas message. If you take, if you take the parents of Jesus, the earthly parents of Jesus, by God's design, he chose to let there be what I'm calling relational disappointment, big time, be a part of their lives. I mean, there's a lot of it. Matthew 1 says that Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, that Jesus' parents were engaged. They're engaged to be married. And then Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, finds out that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is going to have a child. Think about that. I heard this just this week. Somebody said, we shouldn't sanitize the stories of the Bible, such as the, the birth of Jesus. I mean, think about it. Men, assume that you are Joseph, and, and Mary comes and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby. He knows it's not his. I mean, do you think he said, well, now I've got to go find another wife? No. He was crushed. You're talking about disappointment. He expected to marry, have children, go through life, and now his wife-to-be is pregnant with child? Let me tell you, that's not good news. That's what you call the lesser story. But look at Matthew 1, 20 and 21. Here's the bigger story. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is to Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, Jesus is a name to tell them that he's going to be the one that saves the people of this world. Let me tell you, were it not for this great what we call lesser story of disappointment, we wouldn't have the big story of man's salvation. You and I kids couldn't go to heaven. Think about that. We couldn't go to heaven were it not for the fact that there were first a lesser story of disappointment and then he found out the bigger story, that which is best for all. Now that just has to do with relational disappointment. Now let's think about circumstantial disappointment. Here is Mary and Joseph ready to have a child. And Caesar Augusta, think of the president of this country, informing everybody that you have to go to the city of your parents and grandparents, what we call the lineage, where you've come from. You have to go to that city and you have to have a census. You enroll there so that you can pay taxes. Now, we don't like taxes today. And if we're told by authorities we have to do something very, very, very difficult in order to pay taxes, oh, we don't like that at all. But the same was true with them. I mean, think of it. Here is Mary ready to have a child. And do you know they have to go to Bethlehem? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is six miles from where they are. Six miles. That's a long way. Now, they didn't have cars, transportation. I mean, literally, they were going to have to go by donkey and walk and so forth. Our wives, 
women today who are pregnant, oh, last 10 weeks, whatever, I don't know how many, you can't travel in a car. Much less. And by the way, do you know where Bethlehem was? It was in the Judean hills, and that's not a subdivision. That is, that means the hills. Not easy. She's got to walk, ready to have a baby, and there's no place they're planning to stay. They get there, there's no room. That was not one of these, oh, well, well no big deal. Let's just go to a stable. No, it was a stable. It smells bad. It looks bad. Well, honey, this is all we've got. We've got to do it. I mean, you're talking about circumstantial disappointment. But, you know, there was a bigger story being scripted by God. Why Bethlehem? Micah. 700 years before, prophesied that this one that would be the Messiah, as we know him, the Savior, would have to be born in Bethlehem. He would be with the lineage, the grandparents, and, you know, if you could go further, further, further back in his in history, history, David would be his great, 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 great grandfather. And it had to be in Bethlehem, the city of David. Do you know what Bethlehem means? Beth, kids, you may not know this. It means city of, uh, of bread. It, it talks about uh, uh, bread. Why bread? In fact, I, I say city of bread. I, I may have that. Uh, I'll make sure I'm right there. It's, it has to do with bread, but I don't even remember the notes now. But, but uh, it has to do with bread. I know that. <laughs> it's in the meaning of the word. And why bread? You know, that's the most common thing for people to eat. To, I mean, the commoner ate bread. It's the most common thing. Here was one coming for the common man. I mean, just for you and me, what does bread do? Bread satisfies. I think there was so much wrapped up in God's plan to be born in Bethlehem that had all of this lesser story so that this greater story of redemption could come true and people would know this is the one and people would come to him and come to know him. You come to know him through faith in Jesus. You know God through Jesus. So it had to happen this way. And here's the point. There's always, always a bigger story. And the bigger story is always a better story. It's God's best for us, okay? That's number two. Let's look at number three. Number three goes like this. God understands the pain of our lesser story. God understands the pain of our lesser story. Well, what makes us say that? I'll tell you why. Because God experienced both relational and circumstantial disappointment in the utmost degree couldn't have been worse. Think about it. Kids, This I want you to know if you come up here, when you talk to your parents, remember this. What was so bad that God had to experience? Relationally, he had to, he had to be separated from his own son. And it's a worse separation than we could ever imagine. Circumstantially, Jesus the Son of God, would have to die on a cross. So much so was this a disappointment to Jesus in the sense that he cried out to his Father. He says, Father, if there be any way for this cup to pass from me, is there any other way to save these people without this? I don't want to do this. This is not good. This is not desirable. Nevertheless, your will be done because I want the bigger, better story to take place. I'm telling you, folks, everything is about bigger plus lesser story. Don't look at just the lesser story. Always look for the bigger story. God understands. He understands. 